Good afternoon, Sao Paulo. This is the Samba Buzz. So, so how are you, Joe? Are you having therapy? Are you having physiotherapy? How are you feeling? Are no, you... I'm, I'm not allowed to have physical therapy yet. I haven't gotten to that stage. Ah, okay. They, they, they say I can only have physical therapy when this neck brace comes off. Right. And, and yeah, I've, I've had the neck brace for about five weeks because I had an accident. What, what, what is a neck brace in Portuguese, do you know? Collar cervical, I think. Okay. Well, they must have mentioned it at some point. Yeah, so. a cervical collar. You know, just to kind of keep my head in place so I don't so break the rest of my yeah. neck. Oh, I've broken about half of it. They, <laughs> they don't want me to break the other half. So when he broke it, I mean, exactly what happened? Was it like a fracture or did it physically shatter? Or no, it's, what it's, it's a fracture. And okay. basically, it was like an, an impact fracture. So over a region of about five cervical vertebrae in my neck mm. that there's the, they have evidence that all of those vertebrae were fractured to greater or lesser degrees wow yeah that's and and, w- and one was actually the the, the the most severe uh was just just right at the base of my my neck and and that one actually the half of that thing is, is broken my god you really did a good job on that no well i, I did my best yeah i didn't actually <laughs> plan on it but yeah <laughs> Um, oh, we have we are making an Instagram challenge. Ah, the Instagram challenge. Instagram tell us, challenge. Tell everybody about the so, Instagram challenge. If you remember, our last guest, Marceli, she has the the program Addicted to Traveling. She has her own website and everything. Hmm. Viciada and Viajar. Yes. So, I've asked her to look at some of our stories because we talk about different destinations and stories. Uh, the last one was Senegal. Yes. And that was the uh, the lake. What was the name of the lake? Hetba or Lacos. Redba. Lake Redba. Redba, yes. Redba in Redba. Senegal. Redba. It's, an, it's an, a fantastic red lake. And mm. it's just absolutely beautiful. So I thought, well, maybe it's a good travel destination too. And I asked her to have a look. Well, actually, I challenged her to look at three travel destinations to see if one of those is good to travel to. Ah, so what are the other two? Uh, I can't tell you just yet. Okay. Maybe because that, that's, that's like part of the mystery. <laughs> right. And so maybe she'll actually go to one of those. Well, maybe. Or, or maybe she says it's all rubbish and you guys don't know anything about traveling. Yes. Uh, stick, stick to your own English pod <laughs> and keep out of my business. <laughs> Stay out of my business. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway, I, I, hope she, I really hope she accepts. And let's see what she says. Sounds exciting. Well, I look forward to seeing how that progresses. Great. What caught my eye this week was actually a very large jacare in Terminal Alvarado in Baja Tijuca. In, in, Rio. in, in Rio. In Rio. They, they had a jacare in Rio. They had an enormous jacare that was kind of on the uh, slipway where the pedestrians walk as they're crossing the, uh, the highway there. Really? And... Um, what, 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 was, was, was he just like going out, passing the day in Rio? Was he a tourist? Or I, I guess. I, I hope he wasn't shopping for a handbag because he might, he <laughs> might get upset. Might find some of his family there. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. <laughs> might, might irritate him. But um, anyway, he caused quite a lot of stir, this jacare. This, I can um, imagine. Cayman, as we call them in English. Um, but apparently it's becoming increasingly common. To, to have jacare in Rio. That more and more 
of these jacare are moving into the suburban areas of the city. In fact, have you any idea how many have, were actually caught within the last year? No. But I mean, now, because jacare is also a Brazilian term for like a, a woman. Ah, well, that's Every, something I'm not going to go down that road, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm talking purely the... Um, the animals. The ones that look like they're wearing the handbag. Okay, yes. okay. Um, and I'll like say, I don't ones. know, 10, 20? How many do you think? Um, in 2020, they caught 2,420 jacare animals. Well, uh, animals. It says animals rather than purely jacare. Oh, so okay. this includes snakes and one or two other things. Okay. that have migrated from the... 2,000, uh, 2, that, that's two quite and a half thousand, basically. In the last year, 2021, they caught 3,500. Wow. And this year, they're going to beat that by quite a distance, apparently. There's going to so be even more. So, can they, what do they attribute all of this, this animal migration to the cities? Because Well, basically, what's happening is their natural habitat is being destroyed, and then they don't have so many options in terms of things to eat. Right. So, sometimes people are actually feeding these animals. Oh, they're not eating the people. Um, well, uh, we could actually be literally feeding them, yes. <laughs> but um, uh, in some cases, they are encouraging the animal by giving them food. And in other cases, it's the pollution that sort of made the, the natural environment less habitable. And um, they end up getting more and more into the city, and it's becoming a problem. And it's all about, wow. you know, where man and nature come together, nature generally loses out. When you go to Rio, look out for the jacare and also look out for the snakes because there's quite a few snakes they've been finding too. Wow, Some okay. poisonous ones. I'll have to keep that in mind next time I go. I'll leave you to talk about the other type of jacare if you want to talk about <laughs> those. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll Explain to anybody who's not from Brazil what a, a jacare is in this context. Well, a, a jacare, when you're talking about uh, in, in terms of uh, females, that that's like somebody that's She's out there just to to bite your leg off, basically. Ah, she, she, she's she, a gold digger. She's a gold digger, yeah. Yes. She, she's going to take whatever you can, whatever you give to her, and take it and take bite off your hand if, mm. if you could. Just not somebody nasty. So have you come across many of those since you've been here? Uh, I've come across a, a couple of jacarés since I've been here. Uh, yes. This is why you're so poor, yes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they bit off a couple of hands. That's well, there you go. Now everybody knows what a jacare is. I can't get around. The biggest story uh, right now is, is this the war in Ukraine. I mean, there's, there's just no way to get around it. Yes, it's a subject I've been avoiding, I, I confess, yes. And, and I don't really want to talk about it because it's just so depressing. But what I was going to focus on are the Brazilians that are going to fight in the Ukraine. I can't imagine what would motivate people to want to go fight somebody else's war. Yes, especially here, I guess, where we haven't had many wars. So we don't we, have a lot of people with combat experience. Down and you here. don't have a lot of history of, of, of Brazilians fighting overseas, but there are Brazilians fighting overseas. Hmm. So here, uh, the first guy I'd like to highlight, his name is Emilio Teixeira Alarçon, and he's from Rio. Okay. So maybe he has a, he uh, experience his, battling your jacare. He there. took I, his I, pet jacare with him, yes. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, he says, well, in war, it's either kill or be killed. And he added, if I don't shoot someone in my crosshairs, he might shoot me. It's just like a game of paintball. Well, 
That's one way of looking at it. It's an interesting perspective, but actual fact, there are other things than just the paintball guns, you know? There are. Right, there are bombs and everything else. Well, yeah. if you look at the tactics of the Russians, they've been very much into heavy artillery and just obliterating as much as possible, really. Yeah, and then you don't get anybody in your crosshairs. You're just running for your life. So how old is he now? Yeah, he's in his 40s. Okay. And he's actually online now fundraising to help pay for his flight to Ukraine. He wants to go with one of his friends. His, his friend's name, Isaias Diogo de Boamorch. Okay. The Boamorch is a fit, good, fitting name. The good name. death man, yes. Yeah, the good name. He's also 43. Okay. And he served with Emilio and said he was driven by his anger at Putin's attacks on civilians. He was, uh, he's very determined to travel despite the, the sub-zero temperatures in Ukraine. Hmm. And he said, we'll be f so full of adrenaline that we won't notice the cold. He said that as he sat beside his swimming pool in flip-flops at the <laughs> Rio Sports Club. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not giving any value judgments, but that's, I'm just describing the situation. Then the, our next person I'd like to highlight, his name is Thiago Rossi. He's 28, and he's from Maringa. He's a shooting range instructor. And he insisted that he did not fear dying on a battleground more than 7,000 miles from his home. And he said, I came to fulfill a mission. If I die, it's because that God willed it. Okay. He went to Ukraine, and people interviewed him later. Uh, this was after his, the barracks where he was at got bombarded by the Russian artillery that you referred to. Oh, that was the strike on the... Um the base near Poland, wasn't it? Yes, um, near Poland. And quite and a few people got hurt in that, I think. Yes, a lot of people got hurt. And then after that strike, he retreated into Poland uh, after Russian bombarded those guys. And he said that he has no plans to re return and he would instead seek to help other people in the Polish refugee centers. Uh, I think I'll be more useful here than in Ukraine. That's what he said. What about, what about the political... Um leanings of these people what do you think their political well, they're, backgrounds are the first two people we talked about those two guys they are very pro bolsonaro they're ah, they're, they're right right wing mm. um tiago is more religious okay and then there's another profile i'd like to uh, introduce that is uriel saavedra he worked for a former police unit and they were specialized in protecting government officials and vips and he said, basically, that he signed up for the conflict because of money. Well, they're getting paid, I believe, around yes. 4000 um, per month. He expects to get paid right around uh, $10,000 a month. Now, because of his training as a police uh, in the police unit, he's actually a little bit higher trained, so maybe they're giving him a different pay scale than the other people. I don't know. Hmm. I, and I can't verify the, the figure of 10000 U.S. dollars per month. That sounds like he's getting more than the regular guys. Well, I mean, he, he was pretty high, highly trained as well. So uh, he says, you know, if somebody wants to pay me, hmm. I'll go fight their wars. But okay. obviously the chance that I die is high, so you need to pay well. Yes. You know, he's negotiating. He's a business guy. And he's 40 years old. My goodness. By the way, his son was very much against him going. But uh, he says, basically, I'm doing it for the money. Well, good luck to him and to all those others who have joined the good fight. Uh, I wish them well. I hope they uh, help Ukraine repel the invaders. But that's, that's some profiles some of the, about some of the people that I, that I could uh, talk about. Very good. So you have something international. I do have an international story, although it does relate to Brazil at different levels. Um. How many people 
would you say got killed by firearms in Mexico last year? In Mexico? Yeah. Oh, I think quite a few. I'd say uh, 120,000. No, it was only 33,000. Only 33? Which is similar in terms of the, the numbers we have here in Brazil. It's um, but Okay, but what about compared to the U.S.? Do you have those numbers? The U.S. is um, actually a little bit less. It's around 20,000. 20,000 people. That, that's a lot of people that were killed in the U.S. It, by firearms. How many guns do you think they have in Mexico? Uh, a lot. I don't know. 200,000. 15 million guns in Mexico. 15 million? 15 million. How many gun shops do you think they have in Mexico? A million. I, I don't know. The answer is one. What? <laughs> they have one gun shop in Mexico City, and it's very heavily regulated and tightly controlled, and the, there are a lot of restrictions and requirements before you can purchase a gun. My goodness. So basically, all of the guns in Mexico are illegal, and they've been brought in by other means. They have all been brought in over the border from the United States. Oh, that's terrible. Do you know, at the border, they arrested last year um, 1,585 people trafficking guns from the United States into Mexico. Seriously? 95% of those people were... Americans. Americans. Oh, my, that's terrible. So... Basically, Mexico has had enough of this situation, and right. they are prosecuting the gun manufacturers in the United States. The Mexican government is prosecuting. They're filing a lawsuit against Smith & Wesson, Glock, um, and all the others, um, basically saying your malpractice has driven this situation in Mexico where we are getting thousands of people murdered every day, and the cartels are better armed than the army. Right. And we think that you're responsible for this. So we are going to prosecute you for $10 billion. Now, you know, actually, legally, that is a very, very, very interesting claim. Hmm. Because you're getting into kind of this, this group, uh, the civil liability, which is very interesting. Think back to the Philip Morris uh, lawsuit from exactly. decades ago. The, 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 the tobacco. Well, the defense of the... Um, gun companies is that uh, Mexico cannot prove that the violence was caused by them, by the gun companies. That's the same argument that the, the tobacco used. Exactly. But the difference is that obviously the gun lobby is very powerful in the United States. Yeah. And I believe they have a law ex explicitly um, removing any liability for how the gun is used once it's sold. Oh, that's because the argument is that in order to have a second amendment, which allows you to own a firearm, you need somebody to legally sell you a gun. Um, therefore, they are just fulfilling the requirement that supports the second amendment. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible argument. But the reality is that a lot of these guns are sold off paper, as they call them. You have these gun shows and basically... You can make guns disappear, and then, of course, a lot of people are making money by trafficking guns into Mexico. Sure. Where, you know, the cartels are um, using them to good effect, unfortunately. Um, the, the, apparently, the trigger for, if you excuse the pun, the trigger was an, an attack on Mexico City's head of security, Omar Garcia Harfouk. Wow. And apparently, he was, um, they, he was ambushed by literally dozens of people. So he had absolutely no chance. This Carrying time. 50 caliber weapons, sniper 50 rifles, caliber. pistols, military assault weapons, 
And there was this huge shootout in which a couple of his bodyguards were killed and also some innocent lady selling snacks at the side of the road got caught in the crossfire. <sighs> That's terrible. And this was kind of the final straw because there's been so many incidents. So right. they are prosecuting the gun companies. Um, opinion is that probably they won't succeed from a legal point of view, but what they are doing is that at least they are putting the 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 subject on the map, if you like, putting it in the limelight, and then that will force the gun companies to at least... Pay attention. Pay attention to the issue and be seen to be doing something about it. So Right. Well, I, I think also it opens the possibility, perhaps they're not successful in this particular lawsuit, but based on the judge's ruling, you can kind of see some of the legal arguments that come out, and perhaps for future arguments, they will open up uh, new avenues that, that might be successful. And this also ties in very closely to some of the um, suits in the United States where yeah. there have been mass shootings. Yeah. And, you know, they're trying to use the same argument that the gun companies need to be more responsible. Yeah. And apparently 12 states also supporting the Mexican suit against the gun companies, yeah. including California and the state of New York. So Yeah. Probably the, the more liberal-leaning states would, would support that. Exactly. So the old cultural war is burning bright in the United States, but um, it's interesting that Mexico has decided to get involved because yeah. they are clearly on the on the receiving end here. Yeah. 15 million guns. That's just absurd amount of numbers. And of course here in Brazil we, we have a similar issue because you got Bolsonaro encouraging his supporters to buy guns and he's trying to make the purchase of guns easier. And Yeah, and we, we don't need that here. We, we've got enough guns. So um, yes, it's a hot topic. Watch this space. So what else do you have for us? I guess um, you got an international story too. Or yeah, my, my international story. Actually, I'm, uh, I would like to ask you, do you know what the acronym IPC stands for? Uh, it could be absolutely anything. I think there was, no, I don't. Okay, well, if you, if you don't know it, let's say by, by, even by name, hmm. I'm quite sure that you're familiar with their products. Okay. This is the IPC is short for the Idaho Potato Commission. <laughs> I do know what a potato is. Yes. yes. This is good. Yes, and, and these guys are some of the largest producers and exporters of French fries hmm. in the world. They're export. We're going back to the Belgians again, aren't we? With so, no, I thought the Belgians were exporting <laughs> French fries to the Americans. Now you're saying the French fries are exporting. Well, no, uh, the, 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 these, the these are some, are some of the largest producers. Okay, ah, so, okay. so, um, and Idaho Potato Commission, they've they've created many campaigns over the years, and they've been extremely successful because, let's say, the name made in uh, bagged in Idaho or Idaho Best or something like that, mm. that's very well known in the United States. Mm. And I would like to say that they have come out with a new perfume. They bought the IPC. Yes, IPC has just developed a new, brand new perfume. Based uh, on? Ba it, it's for your loved ones. So, you know, well, well, your children. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they call it, it's an, it's an Ameri very American-made perfume. They mm. call it Fritis. Fritz. Fritz. Okay. Fritz. Short for French fries. Yes, what's well, the French for? And it's French fries. if you look at the bottle, it's a very nice bottle. It's kind of an elegant bottle. It, it's 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 a kind of a transparent bottle with a little bit of gold on top of it. You know, kind mm. of mirrors the gold of the French fries. They've got a nice picture of it there next to the French fry. The bottle has kind of a relief on it that reminds you of a French fry. Okay. And and the catch is. Well, no, the, the catch is they claim that it gives off the aroma of French fries 
in all of their greasy, salty splendor. Lovely. The the aroma of stale cooking oil. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> so so the aroma is is supposed to be for for very similar to fresh French fries. Well, the McDonald's always used to uh, use beef tallow to fry their French fries. So maybe what's, what's beef tallow? It's basically like cow fat. <laughs> so yes, you can have the lovely aroma of uh, animal fat um, wafting from you. That well, I wonderful. mean, some people are so fond of French fries that they are, they're, they're out to buy this stuff, and it sells in the United States for roughly one ninety U.S. dollars, one ninety per one point seven ounce bottle. So it's not so expensive. <laughs> and they were giving it away free with the burger. Well, well, they were. Recently, they were giving it away <laughs> just, just be in, before um, Valentine's Day, in fact, mm. in the United States. Because they wanted to gain some interest, you know, get some public opinion. Come and smell like Mr. Potato Head. There you go. And according to Jamie Higgum, he's the president and CEO of IPC. He says the smell is just too good to resist. And he says, whether you're at a drive through restaurant or just dining in, it's near impossible to not grab a fry and take a bite before you dive into a meal. <laughs> so they're banking their popularity on, on, on this, uh, you know, uh, the people's love of French fries in the United States. My goodness. And they say, according, they have actually a poll. They say that according to the polling firm Polefish, 90% of Americans find the smell of French fries absolutely irresistible. Mm. So IPC, now do not take this lightly because IPC has a long history of marketing success. Okay. So they, 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 they have many different uh, items and products over the years. You can also buy them at their website. Um, but they also made the Spuddy Buddy. They made <laughs> a, a giant, they, they, at one time, in, one point in time, they had a giant trailer with a three meter tall potato that they would travel around the United States from supermarket to supermarket. And it was, it was so popular that they actually s still sell little toys, scale models of this, this particular thing. This, it was only supposed to be for two weeks. Yes. And it ended up touring the United States for like 10 years. My goodness. Um, so then they also have uh, potato playing cards, a French fry holder. I do, I do not know what a French fry holder does, but you can get it. And now they also have French fry perfume. It does make you wonder where this could lead if other countries follow suit. I mean, I mean, if it was Brazil, what are they going to have? Are going to have a perfume with bacalhau or something? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, you might have a feijoada surprise, you know. Yeah, exactly. You give, give your, I mean, uh, or, I, mean I, I would imagine that many Brazilians would love to have the smell of uh, barbecue. Well, do you, well, I guess many Brazilians smell of barbecue <laughs> anyway because that's what they spend most of their time doing. But yeah. I, I just, the mind boggles really, doesn't yeah. it? Well, my uncle typically smells about cachaça, but uh, I, I, right. I don't know if I'd want that in a cologne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 de cachaça. Oh, de cachaça. Well, very interesting. I look forward to seeing the new food-flavored perfumes launched recent and in, in the next <laughs> few months. Uh, who knows where this can go? This could launch a particularly huge market. Thank you, guys. J&G, thank you so much for having me here. And thank you to your listeners. You guys are awesome. And, uh, hey, keep watching this podcast. I, I love it. it the gaming industry's had quite a lot of negative publicity recently with the culture of some of these companies and people like EA, I'm thinking, and others. Um, 
How big a problem do you think it is in the industry, and what do you think realistically companies can do about it? So are you are you referring to the Activision Blizzard kind of press disaster? Yes, that was one that caught my eye. Yeah. What I would say is that gaming companies are becoming much more important than they were in the past. They're, they're getting much more visible, right? So their influence on the world is much greater than it ever was. If you look at the stocks of these companies and the worth, the value of these companies, it's massive, right? Mm. Um, Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard for... I can't remember what the number was. I think it was $40 billion or something like that. It was up there. But um, it became greatly visible because of their status in, in the world today, right? Whereas if they were just a, you know, a smaller whatever, people wouldn't pay as much attention. But when you were right? working with these companies, did you ever think to yourself, the culture's a little bit off here, a little bit too boys club, or is it something you never really noticed? You know what? I, I didn't see that from, uh, I didn't see that from the gaming industry. So it was kind of a surprise to me. Um, I think the thing before that, that was the big thing was, uh, oh my God, uh, uh, people who play games are likely to go out and, and shoot a bunch of people because they're playing Call of Duty, right? Right. That's a bunch of garbage. In fact, if you look at the top 10 countries in gaming that have the most gamers in the world, mm-hmm. only one of them has has a big problem with uh, mass killings. Well, that's, that's the U.S. That's the U.S., yep. yeah. Only one of them in the entire world. And that's right? been a problem since long before gaming was introduced, too before computers oh, and everything oh, else. Yeah, so we, we yeah. can't exactly blame yeah. the gaming industry that's, for that's that. That's just an excuse. But gaming is good for people because it it um, it teaches you how to think fast. It teaches you strategy. It teaches you, if you look at League of Legends, for example, they have, uh, they have uh, society, they have gold, they have, um, they have different components that kids can learn from. In fact, we, we, we use them sometimes in schools where they learn how society works. They learn how, uh, how resources work. They learn how the world works, right? Right. And then the other part of it is there's a lot of, of kids who are very shy. You know, they don't, uh, they don't you know, feel comfortable interacting with people. If mm-hmm. they're gamers, they're interacting with all kinds of people. Plus, they go to the events and they physically interact with them. It brings them out of their shell, right? Right. Um, so, so there's there's so, a lot of you know positive. So so there's a little bit of the negative as far as trolling and stuff, but there's also the positive is that you, you, what you're saying is that it, it can help introverts to become a little bit more socialized. Absolutely. And there's a lot of other, but we don't have time to go through all that. But right. but you know those are the big ones. Uh, and and just one more thing. And in the past. Parents would go to their kids and say, hey, stop. Uh, you need to do your homework and stuff. And you have to have a balance. Uh, that, was, that was 10 years ago. Today, they see that the top esports guys are making millions and millions and millions. Right? right. Mm. Um, so it is, it is a way to earn a living, actually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so parents today are saying, will you stop doing your homework in, in, in game? We, we want yeah. you to be famous. And by the way, put that gun down. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. A story came out, and I think it was the Wall Street Journal and then, you know, papers all over the world uh, about the, the gaming influencer who made half a million dollars a month. 
right? Right. And people were like, oh, my God, right? And this was like eight years ago or so, or six or eight years ago. Today, the guy makes millions and millions per month, right? right. Mm. But that just opened up Pandora's box, right? Right. Just so, opened up everything else. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And the sponsors are like... Damn it! We have to pay now millions to these guys instead of <laughs> <laughs> instead of ten thousand dollars, right? right? Okay, okay. So uh, obviously you worked in the United States before you came here. Um, what were the main differences that you noticed doing business here in Brazil to doing business in the U.S.? Um, there's there's one big difference, and you know I I've had the fortune of visiting over fifty countries in the world. Mostly because of my business, because I've always been global, and I—I I mean, in the last I don't know, thirty years or whatever, I've been global, and uh, so I've been able to travel around the world. Um, the biggest difference between the U.S. and the U.K.—I'm sorry, the U.K.—I'm <laughs> thinking U.K. The U.S. and Brazil is this: um, Americans are very focused. As, especially in business, but also personally, but they're very focused. They don't want their time wasted. So when you go, if you get the, the opportunity to have a, a meeting with an American executive, you're going to pull out your product, right? You're going to start talking. They're going to look at it. And five minutes later, they're going to say, ah, not interested. I'm sorry. I don't want to waste your time. Uh, you know, Julia will, 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 will help you to the door, right? They don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste your time. Wham, bam, mm -hmm. thank you, ma'am, right? Mm -hmm. In Brazil, Brazilians in general are, um, and this is good and bad, are wonderful, nice people. So from a personal perspective, that's wonderful. For a bit, from a business perspective, it sucks. Because they'll come into your meeting, you'll present your product, and they'll all, all of them, We'll go, oh, wow, that's great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, <laughs> in the back of their mind, they've al they already know, perhaps before you even walk in the door, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that product. They already know that, right? But they won't say anything to you because they're, they don't feel comfortable saying no, mm -hmm. right? They feel it's very rude. This and is this is my perspective, by the way, as an American. And so from a business perspective, that's difficult because I've gone months and months with uh and with brazilian companies yeah. you know all i could go to their 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 kids football games go have dinner with them and their wife uh you know have a great relationship with them go out and have beers all this stuff and then i only find out a couple years down the line when i'm you know trying and trying and trying that you know that it doesn't uh they're they're not interested right mm. and so Today, I'm very direct. I'm very direct with, and that's not just Brazil, that's kind of a Latin thing, uh -huh. right? And so I'm very direct now. Uh, if I have a meeting, I will say up front, look, I know that it's, uh, you know, you may not feel comfortable, you know, saying no right off the bat, but I want you to feel comfortable, right? If you're not interested, please tell me right away, because I don't <laughs> want to waste your time, uh -huh. right? And I don't want to, you know, waste our time. So mm. I'm very, I'm very upfront with that. Well, that's, thanks very much for coming in today, Agent B, or Brent, or whatever we're going to call you today. BM. 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 Bowel movement. Brent McRae. Bowel movement. Better than BS, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, but thanks, thanks for giving some of, uh, some of your time. We really appreciate 
having you on the show. I love it. It's uh, I'm an avid. I'm an well, avid. We'll watcher. definitely have you back again. You can you can promote Part our listener. Promote I'm our, sorry. I'm yeah. an avid listener. Promote the Samber Buzz. No, oh, absolutely. So Jay, I believe you're doing Guru this week. Yes, I've I've got the Guru. Well and done. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about parallel structure. Parallel structures. These are very important, especially when you're building a bridge. Yes. So the, the, you might ask, what is parallel structure? And basically, in English, an attempt should be made to make the language as even and balanced as possible. Okay. So this balance, they typically refer to as parallel structure. Hmm. So, and you can achieve parallel structure by making forms as similar as possible. Okay? Now, I'll, I'll give a couple examples of, of a form that is not parallel. Please do. I like to sing and dancing. Okay. Okay, so in that case, it has two different parts, sing and, and to sing and dancing. Now, you're mixing a, an infinitive with a gerund. This is true. And that's not something that you should do. It's a deadly combination. Right. So, what would be a better example of that? Uh, well, the verb to like is interesting because you can use either the infinitive or the gerund afterwards. So either you say, I like to sing and to dance, or you say, I like singing and dancing, and both are equally good. Yes, but to mix those two is not permitted. Right. That's not a good idea. So uh, with parallel structure, there's a couple, I mean, this is a very broad subject, and it's going to take more than one pod to explain everything. Um, but generally... Uh, you should be aware of coordinate conjunctions. Coordinate conjunctions, explain. Well, these, these are, you might say, what is that bloody thing? Well, basically it's and, but, or, and yet. There's okay. four, four key ones. Hmm. And anytime you use those, be, be, be aware, because and, but, and or, those are very, very common. And yet means the same as but, no? Yes. Anytime you use those in sentences, make sure that what you have on one side is the same as what you have on the other side. Ah, interesting tip. Okay, so for example, I'll give you a couple examples of things that may or may not be parallel. She is a teacher and plays football. <laughs> she is a teacher and plays football. Um, ideally, you would repeat the verb there. She's a teacher and she plays football. Because if you don't um, repeat the verb, you are implying that the is governs both of the objects. Right. And you cannot use the verb to be with football in that context. Right. So uh, how about we, we try a different example. Let's say if she is not a teacher, uh, but a footballer. Would that work? She's not a teacher, but a footballer. Yes, because you can verb to be works in both of those situations. Yeah. There you go. And you're having two nouns. Exactly. Right. Whereas if you say plays football, that's the action of playing football. Exactly. Right. A, a footballer would be the noun. Yes. Okay. Um, second example. He studied hard yet failed the exam. Perfect. Is that okay? Well, not good that he failed, but well, yes, the, the grammar <laughs> the grammar is perfect. Uh, yeah. Here in in this case, you're using two verbs: uh, studied and failed. Okay. Uh, my boss is nice, but speaks irrationally um, that also works because you got two verbs governing two separate nouns okay uh, the papers are on my desk or the drawer uh, no because they are not on the drawer 
Right. Uh, you have to change the preposition to make it correct then. So they're right. either on my desk or in the drawer. Right. You should have ideally two prepositional phrases. Exactly. And in the, the, in, the, in the first example, it was just the drawer. There was no prepositional phrase. So basically, if we don't have a second one, then we assume the first one applies to the second. Right. Um, and then it may not be correct. Right. So that's just a brief overview of parallel structure, what it is and some applications. Obviously, we need to go a little bit more in depth to explain more, but that's for a future part. Excellent. Nice explanation. So I guess that's the end of another Samba Buzz, Jay. Um, tell us again about the, the travel challenge. What's that all about? Well, on our Instagram account, you know, obviously we, we're more specialized in English and English language. And, but I do like to travel. I like to travel too. And our last guest, Marceli, she mm. has this fantastic site, Viciat and Viajar. She does. And so what I've done is we've issued her a travel challenge. Great. So this travel challenge is basically we have two or three, we have three different locations that we think are possible locations where I and perhaps my wife and maybe my daughter can travel to. And I'd like for her to say, this is a good idea or it's a bad idea. Ah, excellent. <laughs> and whether we could afford to go there too. Well, yeah, that's a different thing. Well, if you're listening, Marcelli, thank you for coming on last time and for promoting our site. It's much appreciated. And uh, we, hope to, we hope she accepts our challenge and uh, dives into it, has some fun with it. Exactly. We look forward to see where she goes. Okay. To seeing, That's it. I should say. So thanks, everybody, again for listening to the Samba Buzz. Don't forget we're on Insta. Yes. And the address is? The, the, the address on Insta is the underscore Samba, S-A-M-B-A, underscore buzz b u double z yeah the underscore is like a little line that goes under things yeah but uh and we will see you again very soon yes we will okay till next time bye-bye bye-bye